probably with psalms like we just sang in his mind that Zechariah then blessed the Lord and we'll read together that prophecy. It's the text of the message this morning as well. Chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 starting at verse 67 to verse 80. Speaking of John and his father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew, became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you look at it, you compare Mary's song to Zechariah's prophecy, you can see that I could begin the, the message this morning in a very similar way to, to the last one. Instead of have to change some things, instead of saying that Mary was the one, was one of the people who was waiting for a long time for their Savior to come. I would just need to put the name Zechariah and Elizabeth, for they were also among those who were waiting for the anointed king promised to David. Instead of talking about an angel appearing and promising a child to a young virgin about to be married, I would need to talk about an angel appearing in the temple and promising a child to an old priest and his barren wife. Instead of pointing to Mary's joy that she herself could be an instrument in the plan, God's plan of salvation, I would just show that Zechariah blessed the Lord that his son could have a special role as a herald. Instead of introducing the theme of joy in Mary's song and explaining that Latin title, the Magnificat, I would just need to introduce the theme of proclamation that's in Zechariah's song and then explain the title Benedictus, that it's a Latin for the word blessed, the first word of the song in that version. And if I started the sermon this way, then it would highlight the point that I made last week 
concerning the similarities between all the songs of God's waiting people. And it would help us to remember and perhaps even go back and study the theme of, of joy because of God's divine grace, His covenant love, His mercy, and His justice, and His faithfulness to His forever promise to send an eternal king on David's throne. And such a beginning to a sermon would also help to illustrate the, the new and the additional emphasis of Zechariah's song. It's on God's grace in sending heralds who proclaim the coming king. That would be a good way to start a sermon on Zechariah's song. Because when the people saw that Zechariah's tongue was loosed, as soon as he wrote that his name is John, well, they were afraid and they asked the question, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him, we read in verse 66. And so Zechariah's song was really a prophecy concerning his child that answered the question. And it also revealed that our God not only gives the gift of his son, but he also gives the gift of announcing the coming of his son through heralds. This is the gospel that I preached to you this, this morning. Zechariah's song reveals God's grace in proclaiming the coming of the king. We'll see that God's sunrise has visited from on high. Secondly, God's heralds guide us into this light. Well, Zechariah manifests God's grace to the world because he was filled by the Spirit. He was one of those who proclaimed the coming King. And his prophecy focuses on God's gracious intervention into the activities of the world. And he uses Old Testament language of the covenant of God visiting his people. God visits his people when he remembers his covenant promises. We sang of that in Psalm 106 as well. And then Luke 1, verses 69 to 70, Zechariah reminds the world of the promises that God made to his servant David and the holy prophets about the promised Messiah. And he calls that Messiah the horn of salvation, the horn that highlights his power. The unbreakable oath that God spoke to Abraham. You also see that verse 73, which you can read about in Genesis 22. And that forever promise that we heard about in a recent sermon on 2 Samuel chapter 7, those, those promises of God, they gave Zechariah assurance that the Son of God who was coming, this Messiah who was coming, would reign on the eternal throne and would punish God's enemies. And you read about that in verse 71. Save them from the hand of their enemies. So if we look at all these parts of the psalm, we see that in many ways, Zechariah's proclamation inspired by the Holy Spirit 
it looked like the proclamation of the gospel that had been preached for centuries before. Maybe people even wonder, what's the difference here? What, what's new? And if you look at the text, you'll see that in the first verses. You'll see what's new. There's an important difference. It has to do with the action verbs that Zechariah used. And you'll see that he's not using action verbs that describe something that will happen in the future, like the earlier prophecies had done, but they are talking about something that has happened in the past. Zechariah could announce to the world that the Lord God of Israel has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. You see, Zechariah knew that Mary had conceived a child. She was carrying the promised Messiah in her womb. The Holy Spirit had revealed this to his family when Mary had stayed with them during three months of her pregnancy. And we can read about that in the verses 39 to 45. So Zechariah prom prophesied that the Lord God of Israel had visited and redeemed his people through the line of David. And we know that Zechariah's prophecy concerning the Messiah, that it comes from the Holy Spirit as something new, not only because of the past tense, he could have figured that out himself, but by the lofty language that Zechariah uses. It makes it clear that the Spirit was revealing something to Zechariah that could not have been known on his own. For Zechariah reveals that that child in Mary's womb was divine. Look at it in verse 78, 79. He's talking about this visit, how God visited his people. And then we read, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God's visit is compared to a sunrise, to the break of day. Reminds us of Psalm 46. It reminds us of Malachi 4, verse 2, where the Lord promises that for those who fear his name, and I'm quoting Malachi 4, verse 2, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And the Holy Spirit reveals that the coming of the Messiah is like the change from darkness to light at dawn every day. And when we woke up this morning, it maybe even has a, a more significant uh, sense as well, because we're waking up the morning after the winter solstice, the longest period of darkness, to a period of lengthening days and increasing light. It's a very fitting text for, our, 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 for today. But as you're thinking of a sunrise, I expect that you're also noticing the problem with the comparison that Zechariah uses. Children, think about what he says. Think about if you see if you can see the problem. When you see a sunrise, 
Where does it come from? It starts on the horizon and it goes up. But do you see where the sunrise and Zechariah's prophecy came from? We read it. It came from on high. The promised Messiah would not only be Mary's natural child rising up from among the people, but Zechariah says it would be divine, it would come from heaven. He would come from heaven. And that's the gospel message of the incarnation, the, the Christmas story of Christ taking on human flesh. God visited his people by sending his own son from heaven down into the womb of Mary so that his son might be born in the world to visit the world. It may rise up among the people of God, but that child is from on high. God sends his Messiah as the bright dawn of salvation, shining upon the face of regularly, regular, ordinary people like Mary, like Zechariah, like Elizabeth, like all the neighbors gathering around wondering what's going on. The sunrise from on high. And then Zechariah prophesied that his son John would be able to come with the promise that that sunrise, that visiting divine one, he would deliver them from their fear of their enemies so that they might serve God without fear. And since the sunrise from on high would be an eternal king of kings and, and lord of lords who was over every invading, oppressive political enemy that hindered the church and their worship for so many years, there would be deliverance. That was the most wonderful promise for an oppressed and a weary people to know that their heavenly king sitting on the throne of David would make it possible for them to serve the Lord without fear. And the promise was made even more wonderful when Zechariah prophesied that their coming king would also make it possible to serve the Lord in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And I'm reading there verses 74 and 75. The coming king would make it possible to serve him without fear and in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So Zechariah, he was a priest. He served in the temple. He knew very well that, that God's people were sinful, that they needed to offer up regular offerings to, to pay for their sins as they constantly fought against that enemy within them, their own sinful nature. Zechariah would have been aware of, of his own sinfulness as well. Maybe he's even remembering his own troubled spirit and his fear. Here's a priest, afraid of an angel from the Lord, a man desiring to have all that fear taken away. 
Everyone needs the forgiveness of their sins. And that's what God promised in the sunrise from on high in his son. Zechariah had high hopes for the coming king, that his son would serve as, as a herald. And in the same way that, that once the sun has risen and it continues to chase away all the darkness of the night, so also the proclamation of the gospel of the victory of our anointed king, Jesus Christ, continues to go out into the world along with the grace of sending his son. The Lord also graciously sends heralds to proclaim this gospel. And in his song, Zechariah recognized that those who lie in the darkness and the shadow of death those who were enslaved to their sins, they do not know the light. If you read the first chapters of John, that's really emphasized. And they cannot even recognize the light without the work of God. And yet although Zechariah served as, his prophet, as a prophet, his song really focused on the unique son, the unique task of his son John to be a herald. And so in the conclusion of the passage we read about this child, verse 80, the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. In his grace, God does not leave people in the darkness, but he sends heralds who draw attention to his special saving work. The angel of the Lord told Zechariah that his son John would turn many of the hearts of many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And I'm looking here at verses 16 and 17. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. John chapter 1. Verses 6 to 8, as, as you were coming into church today, you saw it displayed on the wall. The gospel that announces this work of God as part of the gospel message itself. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Well, Zechariah's announcement that his son was called and appointed to prepare the way for the Lord as a herald. Well, that was an announcement of the imminent arrival of the Lord himself. You see, a herald was someone who would go on ahead of a king. Let's listen to the radio. I know that our prime minister has the same. They have people that go ahead to a town to prepare the people for the, the visit of the prime minister. We don't call them heralds. We call them public relations people or something. It's the same idea. And so the, the herald would go ahead of a king and he would ensure that the people knew who their king was, what he had done for them, and they would, he would let them know that they were he was coming soon. Well, the mandate that John received from the Holy Spirit through his father Zechariah's prophecy revealed John's task. Verse 77 was to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Heralds of the Most High are called to announce the mercy of God 
who visited from on high so that his people might be redeemed from both their political and their spiritual enemies and so be set free to serve the Lord without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all their days. When John grew up, he would give knowledge of salvation. He would do that. He would be the one who could point to a man walking on the earth and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God's prophecy was fulfilled. John was pointing at Jesus Christ. The Lord we continue to worship today. For he's an eternal king. Zechariah announced that John's preaching would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You see, the knowledge of salvation serves as a light to those in darkness. Preaching gives hope of salvation to those in the shadow of death. When God sent his son to bring salvation, he also sent heralds to guide our feet into the way of peace. A herald announces the coming king, teaches people how to prepare their hearts for his coming, like we sang in Isaiah 40 and 15. Well, since we believe that Jesus is coming again, John's preaching remains relevant, remains important for us as we prepare our hearts to meet our Lord and our Savior when we die or when he returns again. And how does the Holy Spirit then prepare God's people through the heralds that he sends? He gives knowledge of salvation. He says Jesus Christ is Savior. He calls you to repent and, and turn to him and receive the forgiveness of your sins because of the work of his son, Jesus Christ. He urges us to flee from the darkness that we may come out of the shadow of death and know the peace that comes from God. This is the gospel that the church proclaims to the world. This is the gospel that you share with your neighbors. This is the gospel that, that you live and celebrate with joy. Although John has died, the king that he served as a herald is very much alive, and his kingdom is forever. Although John has died, the task of preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God that our Lord Jesus began on his life on earth and continued through the preaching of the apostles and the proclamation of the prophetic word that continues. Peter says that we should pay attention to the prophetic word as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. So the church always wants to continue God's grace, continue to show God's grace to the world 
by serving as heralds of our victorious King who is coming, who will visit again. Jesus Christ has come. He has given us his Holy Spirit so that we might serve the Lord in holiness and righteousness before him all our days without fear. It's true. And we celebrate that first coming at Christmas time because it reminds us that we're not preaching a gospel of the future. But we're preaching the salvation that Jesus Christ has already obtained for everyone who believes in him. That's why we're so joyful. That's why we can be so peaceful. And so I could end the sermon in a similar way to the way that I ended the sermon on Mary's song. But instead of taking the song of Mary, I would just take the song of Zechariah and show how we can still celebrate all the promises that the church in Zechariah's day celebrated, except that we can know even more. You thought Zechariah was happy. We can know even more. For God's covenant faithfulness to the promises that he swore to Abraham and to David, well, those covenant promises have been extended over many, 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 many more generations. We know even better the faithfulness of our covenant God. And we may understand what it means. We're not confused at all by reading verse 78, the sunrise that visited us from on high. Because we know that our Messiah is the Son of God and that he took on our human nature. We know his name. His name is Jesus Christ. We may know even more than Zechariah about how the Messiah King delivered the church from her enemies because we have knowledge of how Jesus Christ died on the cross and then broke the teeth of the grave and death in his resurrection. And we see how the Holy Spirit brings the light of the gospel into the dark, into the darkness, sometimes the darkness of our own hearts. He guides our feet into the way of peace through God's word, through his congregation who serves as heralds that he continues to send out into the world, into the workplace, into the schools, into the universities. And we too are preparing our hearts as we look forward to another glorious day. And we'll sing this on which before our very eyes the radiant morning star will rise to shine on us forever. Yes, it would be very fitting for God's church to continue to sing Zechariah's song just as <clears throat> we sang Mary's song. Understanding the fullness of this psalm as it's fulfilled in our time. And so let us praise God for the Son who reigns over everything under the sun. 
for his light shines upon us through Harold's preaching of the gospel as he prepares our hearts for his glorious return. Amen.